You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, Oniro Trello. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. What's up, boys and girls? Back at it again with another episode of Gate 7 International, a lovely Sunday edition. It's been a big day for Libyaco Sports. Two wins, two different sports. One maybe a little bit more exciting than the other, but still makes us feel pretty good. Costa, how you feel today? What's up, man? Well, as the title suggests, triumph <laughs> on the court and same old, same old on the football field, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> it really is. It really, it really was one of those days for Olympiacos, that's for sure, on the field. Uh, but before we get moving, guys, we here at Gate 7 International are on a mission. And that mission is to make the best Greek community for football and red and white community that has ever been seen by Olympiacos and by Greek football. This team, this club, this community has history. A lot of it. And it's about damn time the world knows about it. So help us grow this community and make it deserving of a big European club. Because that's what Olympiacos is. A huge European club. And like I said, it's time the world knew about it. So hit that like and subscribe button at the bottom and help us grow this community. Become a part of the mission and become a part of this Olympiacos community. Moving on. There was a huge, huge, huge result in basketball, Costa. Explain real quickly why that was so big. All right. So it's a happy day for everyone. There's been a lot of grinja and a lot of, you know, kind of ranting about what's been going on with the basketball team um, the past few years. And, and still, even though this year we've been very entertaining up until December and COVID hit the team, Still some question marks, you know, will we be able to beat Panathinaikos today in the Greek Cup final? And we did. It's it's important and, you know, particularly a joyous occasion for us today because it's a vindication for the club's stance over the last couple of years. We willingly and consciously took a decision as a club to leave Greek competitions because m- no more. Mechritelus um, was the slogan and we would take this stance until the end, until Greek basketball started to clean up or get its act together. There is a new presidency now in EOC, in the Greek Basketball Federation. They're under scrutiny. They organised a good cup final tonight. I mean... It was in a small stadium in, in Iraklio at uh, the Iorakia, which is a nice a nice stadium. There weren't any any fights, no kind of you know negative press. So, you know, both in terms of the result, but also the organization, it's like, you know, it's a next step in in Greek Greek basketball and, and Olympiakos is back. 
after two years of not being in Greek competition, it was a massive, massive test. I think there was a lot of pressure on the team to win this cup because Panathinaikos is not not at their best either. They're right towards the bottom of the Euroleague standings and we're in a playoff position. So, you know, the pressure to, to win it was massive and you could see that in some parts of the game today where, you know, we've gone into, into the game and we're, we're six or seven, seven zero down in the first few minutes. And then, okay, um, at the halftime, we were down and then we went around 15 points down in the third quarter and then turned it around at the end. And then Panathinaikos only scored from free throws in the fourth quarter. So it was massive. Uh, it's, it's a massive result. I said it, it's a vindication and a triumph for the club. So, so yeah, I, I consciously chose to watch that instead of the football today. And I think, I think a lot of the Olympiagos fans uh, probably, probably did the same today. Yep. And uh, I'm not going to lie, you're probably better off doing so. I tuned into the basketball game for uh, the first quarter before the game started today, uh, the football game against Volos, that is. And uh, I can tell you that the, the first quarter of the basketball game was more interesting than probably almost the entire football game that I watched today on the pitch. So you're not wrong there. And I'm glad you got a, a really enjoyable experience. You got to witness that. It is uh, wonderful that after all this time, we win a, you know, a huge trophy in basketball and really send that message to the, uh, the, well, the administration and all the nonsense that they've done. Everybody here knows I'm not, I don't know anything about basketball. So uh, I have nothing really else that I can say about that. Just happy that they won any anything that is red and white. Uh, I want them to win anything. So it's fantastic news and a big win today. Uh, and now before we get moving forward, Costa, I think you've got a little bit of news to share with the audience. Yeah, um, if you guys haven't seen it already, we have our first Europa League match day vlog available on our YouTube channel. Now it's the first time we've done this. I went out to Bergamo for the game on Thursday. It was um, an adventurous trip, actually. You can find out more about it if you go and watch the vlog. It's on it's on our YouTube channel uh, right now. Check it out after after we're done here. I do have a a, a mini clip from uh, from the vlog just to give you kind of a teaser. So. You know, this this vlog, it's it's about 18, 15, 18 minutes long, guys. Um, fan cam interviews before the game, after the game, at halftime, some special guests. Um, I say special guests because we met some some pretty cool people. Uh, I met a guy that traveled from San Francisco to come and see the game. This guy just comes up to me randomly and he's like, are you this guy from that show? It's like, yeah. So like, oh, I came from San Francisco. I watch you guys all the time. It's like, oh my God. So it was crazy, man. Uh, it was a really good trip. Um, the vlog is the vlog is really good. I've heard good feedback. And for those of you that are watching live right now, and for those of you that are going to be watching this later, here's a small teaser of one of the interviews that we did. Yo, I'm here with the boys with Pape Cissé. Hello, Olympiacos. Hello, Olympiacos. What do you think? We're going to win? We're going to win. We're going to win. 2-0. 2-0. 2-0. Cissé's going to get the goal. Corner kick. Yes, the corner kick. It's a line kick. Thank you, bro. Thanks, guys. 
He's the Lion King. I love it. That's it. We King of Africa. <laughs> so, okay, obviously those guys were friends of, of Papé Cissé. And that was, I mean, they, they were like a sort of a tourist attraction at halftime. <laughs> and I went up to them and was like, guys, uh, you, you need to come on the channel. And they were, they were very nice. They were very nice. They'd come from Senegal. To, wow. to to watch the game i guess they they traveled back with him from uh from the african cup of nations and they're probably staying with him i don't know if they came just for the game but but yeah still like i mean the boys from senegal they're representing cisse match prediction that they that, that we all made was not quite not quite uh <laughs> didn't quite turn out that way but but okay there was um that was that was a lot of fun talking to those guys and there's more on the vlog guys so check that out yeah, seriously, guys, check it out. It is really well done. It is so good. I was pumped just watching the whole thing. The He gets great footage. Gosta was behind the lines, you know, in the, I should say, in the front lines, as wow. as, it, as it were. So it was really cool watch. Uh, very well done. Editing was by Peter. And I know we're going to try and get more of these done, especially if, uh, you know, the European guys, Gosta and, and Lambro, make it to more games going to definitely try and get more of these done so please watch the space and check that stuff out because also just check out the video it's really well done guys you're going to love it uh you can probably there's, answer this question Costa. yeah there's a question here from Tut de la Tute says just wondering why did we go to a2 that's the second division basketball if you know um <coughs> so that's what happened a couple of years ago we were playing against Panathinaikos. i can't remember if it was a league or a cup game but basically it was one of those games where i think it you know, they started the usual stuff, the referees giving fouls to Milutinov in the first 30 seconds to foul him out, um, you know, get him in, get him into foul trouble. And uh, at halftime, the team decided not to come out in the second half and not play. And that was kind of the beginning of the end for Olympiakos playing under that Greek Basketball Federation. They said, no more, we're going to take this to the end until there's a change in Greek basketball. We're not going to, we're not going to participate in this. And as a result of not playing in the cup and not playing in Greek competitions, we um, by by the regulations of the of the federation, we were relegated down to to the second division. So that's what happened. And then we had to we had to play in the second division. But obviously, players like Peridesis, Spanulis, these guys, they weren't right. playing second division. We put a development team in the second division with our like you know, our young talents and some some other some other players. And last season we we won promotion back to A1. So we had to win promotion back to A1 with our development team. And that meant that, you know, legally speaking, Olympiagos could go back and play A1 first division Greek basketball because the development team uh, managed to get promotion. So that's a little a recap of, of what's happened. Yeah, very messy, very messy situation. I still remember when, uh, it, even after that game, didn't Olympiacos just not play any of the other games in A1? No. That, no, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't play in playoffs. Like, nothing. Yeah, just completely. And and I think that's also, also had to do with the relegation because, you know, you can't, I guess by the rules, you can't do that. But it was in protest of how bad things were. I do, I do remember that as a talking point, even though I watched no basketball games. Um, I mean, it but, was a big thing. It's like kind of 
beyond basketball it was really yeah. like uh it was really a statement and people ridiculed it it was really ridiculed by opposition yep and even olympiacos fans quite a few olympiacos fans were frustrated by it they were just like oh just you know just play it was affecting our performances in the euro league some were saying some were saying the players not playing enough games they weren't having enough rhythm now yeah, there were all, all sorts of different theories so now it's over now it's over now we're playing in 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 the greek competitions and and again it's a massive it's a massive result today it's a triumph it's that's what it is now costa what do you think that this victory can help push us into a big euro league push and maybe even a euro league win i mean is what so do you think we're we're already doing quite well we had a big win last week against FS Pilsen, the, the the reigning Euroleague champions. So we're, you know, we're in with a good shout of making the playoffs. We're in a good position. I think we're, I think we're third or fourth in the standings. Obviously, eight are going through to the playoffs, and we play we play Armani Milano next week at uh, Peace and Friendship Stadium right after the Atalanta game. And that's a big game because Milano are, you know, another team that's vying for the playoffs. So I, I think it's definitely just adding more confidence. You know, after a massive win against FS with a buzzer beater from Costas Lucas in overtime, and then now a win in the Greek Cup. You know, that's that's all contributing to to the team's confidence and belief. So, so yeah, I mean. I, I only see obviously only see positives from this, and I can only see the team kind of building off of that. And let's see, Milan is going to be a tough test next week, but we're playing at home. The fans are back, so gonna gonna need the fans to help push the team to victory. Yep. And while one team is sitting here looking good and giving everybody hope, another team isn't looking so good and isn't giving us much hope. Olympiakos Volos, if uh, you were one of the Greeks like me today that decided to watch the football game, I apologize. Uh, I'm sorry that you made that decision. You should have watched the basketball game. This game was not very fun to watch for most of it. It was pretty ugly, but that's kind of the story of the season so far. It's uh, oh, thank you, George. I uh, I guess this is the first time you've tuned in in a while. I've been sporting these glasses for uh, feels like oh, I think it's been a couple months now. But anyway, glad you like the glasses. New look, new me. But back to the game. It was it just wasn't good. I mean, we went back into a four two three one. I was excited to see Carvalho on the pitch. I was hoping for some other players to be rested, like Oleg. I didn't think there was any excuse not to rest him. I don't see why Kitsos couldn't have played this game. Volos aren't exactly world beaters. And Oleg looked like a dead man walking. I mean, he just just looked exhausted to me. Kenny Lala, wh whether it was maybe still being fatigued from the game in Europe or not, couldn't tell you. He didn't look so good today either. There were some... Interesting things we saw from the forward unit, specifically out of guys like Agibu and, and Carvalho. Uh, one, Carvalho started at the 10 and Agibu was on the wing, but then they switched. So it was interesting to see them. Carvalho had a couple of nice plays, a couple of nice looks, but overall I was kind of disappointed. He definitely can't play more than 45 minutes still. Um, he's he's going to need time to get more match fitness, but... I'm hoping that in the long term, something good comes from him because he right now offers something no other player that we have 
besides maybe Costa Fortuny when he returns can offer us. Uh, the important thing is, all in all, we did get the win today. Uh, comment here from Manos G7. So Valbuena isn't just for singing in our fiesta, right? He is a true leader. His class is remarkable. Yeah, uh, we'll get into that second half, but Valbuena basically came on and, as he always does, inserts himself into the thick of things. It doesn't matter what position you put him on the field. He's going to wander, he's going to find the ball, and he's going to be involved and built up. And that's what he did. And he ended up having that little piece of interplay, one-two with uh, El Arabi, um, who, side note, also had a, a shocker of a game today. That has to be said. It was really bad. But he had that one-two with him, and it, that strike he had just on the tip of the penalty box and just puts it in, puts it in the net. Classy strike, classy player. Uh, I saw another comment here from uh, Marito Lakis. I wish Valbuena was five years younger. Don't we all? Don't we all, man? If we had, if we had just gotten him a couple years earlier, God knows the other the things he could have done for this club. But as happy as I was that he bailed us out yet again, I still have one of these feelings in the back of my, you know, the back of my head that it's, I'm kind of concerned that we still require a 37 year old Valbuena to bail us out of these games. And that's not a knock on Valbuena. It, he's, he's an amazing player, pure class. But the fact that we still look to a 37-year-old veteran to bail us out of these situations is not good. It really isn't. I mean, it, it just means that we don't have a lot of options. And you could see that. I mean, once we started making some subs, my question was, well, what, what else can we throw out there? What can we hope for that isn't injured and that's available? So it was a tough situation because... I looked at this game as a like a stepping stone towards the Atalanta game. I had hoped that a big win and a good showing would mean that going into the game against Atalanta, we have some momentum. And that's really important, especially, especially because Atalanta lost to Fiorentina today and Gasparini got sent off. So some drama. We'll get to that later as we start to preview some things uh, for Atalanta. But... The, the the performance again, it, it's not surprising, and I don't want it to sound like I'm coming off upset because I'm at this point I'm not. I just expect it. But I still expect I this team has talented players, and we're better, we can perform better than this. We can perform better than what we've seen. And and what we're seeing is just okay, a team that dominates in possession, a team that gets the ball up, but doesn't have ideas to break down the defense, doesn't pass and move to make openings. All in all, we, we get the win and we'll take the win, but this is why we're, we, we struggle on the European stage this season. It's because of these types of performances. And I was reading earlier today that El Arabi had actually been asking for 3 million euros next season. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. That's a new piece of information. If that's the case, goodbye. There's no way you're getting 3 million euros with the performances, especially like today. Not happening. Costa, what, what, what's your take? Mate, I'm with you. I'm with you. I've, 
I've been quite skeptical about this whole thing with El Arabi and you know giving him another two million to to stay on at his age. Yes, it is very hard to find a good striker, and I do think he is one of the best strikers that we've ever had. Yep. But I think one of the things I said in recent in recent past is that the Atalanta games were were gonna in a way define what happens with El Arabi. Yep. But he didn't even didn't start the game in in, in Bergamo. Tiquinho was preferred. And my hunch is Tiquinho is going to be preferred on Thursday again. Yeah. So I don't know. That was kind of a, a gamble, I think, that, that El Arabi was was taking. So I, I still think it's somewhat open in terms of uh, whether he remains or not at the end of the season. Because if he's you know, if we crash out on Thursday. And he hasn't he hasn't scored a goal. He hasn't contributed. You can't ask for two million euro, mate. I'm sorry. It's like, yeah, you scored 15 goals in the Greek league, but Tikinio can do that. Yeah, Tikinio can do that next season. 15 to 20 goals. He he will have had a whole season under his belt. Let's not forget this is a guy that had six months, almost six months without football after his, yep. you know when he went out to China. So this is this is an important season for for Tiquinho. Yeah, I'm I'm not it, we we'll see. We'll see. Maybe El Arabi comes up with a big goal on 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 Thursday or goals and you know then then we can talk again. But yeah. right now no, I'm not I, I wouldn't give another 2 million to to keep him at 35 years of age no 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 you're right when you're when you get to this age to the twilight of your career in football it becomes much more of uh the value proposition for you on a team becomes more performance based right it becomes more about what your end product is because there's you're not looking at longevity right you don't know when that career it's coming close to ending so you're only as good as the amount of end product that you have especially for a striker you keep putting them in, you keep playing well, you keep playing to that that level, you'll continue to get paid. But the second the performances drop off, then the value proposition does not go into your favor. And the money drops. I could see us if he takes a pay cut, you know, like maybe he doesn't take two, maybe he takes 1.2, 1.3. I could see us keeping him. Then the value proposition makes sense. But right now, no. And this is a good comment from DG14. Money aside, I don't think he should stay. It's very important to know when to end one cycle and start a new one. Yeah. What do you make of that? No, absolutely. That's the thing. It's like, okay, let me make sure I get this right. It's his third season at the club. Yep. It's his third season at the club. Yes, he scores 15 to 20 goals every season. But, I mean, if you – there's another comment about recruitment and, you know, our record on recruiting players – if you have a good scouting network, then you can you can find a striker. I mean, I'm not saying go and sign Diego Costa or on a free transfer. I'm not sure. In the past, it's been proven that whenever we've signed players, you know, above above 30, like strikers that are 32 and older, whether it's Kovacevic or whether it's El Arabi, Sinisa Gokic, 
they've come good. And, you know, others not so good. Uh, Franco Jara or Nelson Valdez or Brownie Day I wasn't a huge fan of, even though, you know, he 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 played a role. I think we can find another striker. And I think Tiquinho is going to be going to be up there, you know, fighting for a first, you know, and that, that place that El Arabi has as in the team now. And again, it just goes back to value proposition. Like you said, should we be paying 2 million euros to a 35 year old that's slowing down? And uh, do, do we just want to purely keep him around to score goals in the Greek league? Then Takinia can do that too. That's what, that's what I think. I'm sure Pinakas could do that as well, to be honest with you. Like I, to, I don't, it doesn't excite me. You know what I mean? Like, it it does it's not a big deal to me when I see you're scoring more than ten goals in the Greek league. You know what I mean? I care what your production is in Europe, and I know most most of us say the same thing. It, I don't think it takes much for that. Um, but before we kind of beat a dead horse on the strikers, I do want to shift the focus a little bit to Madi. Sorry, um, <coughs> Ari. I um, yep. I put a poll on the on the YouTube page, and the question is. Should Valbuena start versus Atalanta? Ooh, tasty, tasty question. Uh, all right, so few votes in already. Seventy-two percent saying he should start. Twenty-eight percent saying not. And this is evolving, but okay, this is a sample after ten minutes after I posted the the poll. So this is this is surely a, a conversation. And now we've I think we're fully transitioning kind of. <laughs> Into the Europa League um, discussion, and I, I think you, can you pick up the Maddie point afterwards, yeah. or, or was it? Of about course. Well, it was. Um, it it kind of goes hand in hand. I was gonna because I was gonna talk about Valbuena as well, uh, because Maddie had uh, in what my in my opinion a better game today. We saw a little bit more. We saw a little bit more of old Madi. He still has a little ways to go. He's still a shadow of his former self. But the point I was going to make was in a time where creativity is at a premium for this club, because we don't have a lot of players that really have a lot of creativity or not showing it. We need, we need to put, especially in the second leg, our creative players on the pitch, which means Madi, which means Valbuena. So I would be one of the ones that says, look, Valbuena for me has, I think he has to start. We're down a goal. We are down a goal at home. Okay. A loss, a loss means we get kicked out. We have to score a goal. We're coming on a back foot. And when you're coming off of the back foot, you have to, you have to put your creative players out there to get you up there, get the goals, get in, get to the point, get to the point where you have something to defend and then defend it. But you have to have something to defend first. And that I was going to get to that point about Valbuena anyway, because I I think in this context, we're better off with him starting than waiting to use him as a super sub. And by and, uh, you know, it might be the case that we fall behind even further Then it's 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 done. I would rather start him and see what we can get out of that half because we're more desperate and I don't think we have much of a choice. I don't think you can start him. Because if you start him, you certainly can't put him on the wing because he can't track back. He can't follow the no. tempo. He can't You're follow right. the tempo. So he yeah. has to play behind the striker in a free role, which means you have to um, 
you have to play two defensive midfielders that will just run all day. Whether we uh, whether we see M. Villa and Agibu Camara holding the midfield again and Valbuena in front of them, I find that very difficult to see. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch the game today, so I don't know if Madi Camara is in with a shout. But my my big question following the first game was why on earth did Ronnie Lopez come on? And why on earth didn't Valbuena come on to take a free kick or to take a set piece or something? So that last set piece that we had in, in the last five minutes out on the um, on the right hand side, you know, Ronnie Lopez delivery was meh. You do you want Valbuena over that free kick? And why wasn't he on? And there are some comments in the chat kind of speaking to my point in, in one way or another. Uh, let me let me find it. Basically, I mean, the guy can play 20, 25 minutes, but I think he's kind of wasted if you start him because Atalanta are going to be, you know, they're a fit team. They're going to play at their tempo in the first half. I think it's good if you bring him on the last kind of 20, 25 minutes. But, but again, this is all kind of, without knowing how the game's going to evolve in the first half. I, I just think it's difficult for, for, for Martins to, to put him in. I think I think he's a player that if I was an opposing manager, I'd target where he's playing and exploit the, the fact that he can't keep up the pace. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I just get stuck in between the, you know, we, it's, well, I'll get. We'll do this comment first from Yorgos Mukas. I saw the poll. I think that he shouldn't start, but I think if the score is zero zero, he would be useful for ten to fifteen minutes. Well, yeah, and that's kind of how he's been used really this season. But again, I, I'm going to go back to creativity. Um, it was about I think three weeks ago I had put together, and when I was talking to Costas Llanos on a different on a previous show about creativity and who are the most creative players on this team. The most creative player on this team is Valbuena on a per 90 minute basis. He has the most end product, the most production for us when he's on the field. It's, it's him. It's him and Agibu Camara. And then after them, who do you think is next? Andreas Bukalakis. That is the state of offensive creativity on this team where Andreas Buchalakis is one of your most creative players. And that's not necessarily to knock him, but in previous seasons, when we had more creative players or more direct players, at least laterally on the wings, Buchalakis was never that, that good or that high up. The fact that he's up there spells out that there's problems. And you're not going to beat a European team, a team like Atalanta, even though they're struggling and in bad form, if you don't have players that can create on the pitch. Then we're just hoping for a situation where, you know, another Tiquinho or Agibu Camara wonder strike, where they're going to take a shot from 20, 22 meters and score. That's not sustainable. It's not. And that's what worries me. So I find myself in between... Do do we put the more creative player and and the the person that's going to give us the higher probability of getting a goal, or do we do we go with the less the risk averse option, 
which means we may will be less likely to concede, but we're going to be a lot less likely to score a goal. And I find myself erring more on the side of, well, we're the ones behind and we have to score. Losing one nothing and losing four nothing to me is this. It doesn't matter, and that's that's where I come from on that. It's it's a very tough decision to make, and I don't envy Pedro Martins having to make it. What I think he will do is exactly what you said before, which is not start him. I don't think he will start him. I think he's going to go in with a, a more conservative lineup. So that's that's those are my feelings on that. And that's how I that's how I would approach it. But it's a, it's we're not in the best of situations to be approaching this game from. It's unfortunate, but at least we have a hope. Oh, Costa, you're we're we're no sound on you, buddy. Sorry, my my bad. <laughs> Can I ask you a question, partly related sure. to, to the Volos game and and partly related to the upcoming game against Atalanta? Sure. I can't understand why. Fodis Kitsos and Mario Vrusai didn't start today. If we want, I, I just, and, and that's important because I can't see, I can't see Pedro Martins playing with fire in the game against Atalanta. I do not expect Pedro Martins to go gung-ho against Gasperini and go into that game full attack. He's going to do something where the fullbacks are going to be key, as as usual. We, we've we talked about this so many times before, it's getting beyond boring about our wings, our wingbacks in general. But I see something like maybe Fadiga being a surprise inclusion on the left because of the unpredictable because he has stamina, because he has pace. And we've seen him play that role out on the left, where essentially he plays as a left centre mid, and we play with three in the middle, or even four, and then Oleg needs to needs to overlap and play the whole wing by himself. And today, Oleg's played 90 minutes, right? Yeah. I didn't watch the game. So, no, so he did. He played did. 90 minutes, right. and Lala too. Well, Lala actually got subbed out for Vrusai. I think it was in like the 76th minute or something like that. But you, you said it earlier to me in, 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 in private. Oleg looks like like he's running on not fumes, just like not there's nothing. Yeah. It's been it's been poor since January, and I, I feel bad kind of not, not targeting him, but but you know, point pointing him out yeah. because he's played. 30 35 games and we're in february you know towards the end of february it's ridiculous and forty schizos the next simigas project it's like play him then yeah so again yeah. it's just proof today today's just proof again that we screwed up big time big time in the summer not just with the wings the wing backs we said let's give a chance to oleg and 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 lala and to be fair, Oleg was, I thought Oleg's progression was fantastic from September to, to December. Yeah. Fantastic. But you need, you need a bit of rest. You, you do. Even the fittest player, you can be the fittest player in the world, but you can't, you can't play like that week in, week out, league, cup, Europe, two, three games a week. It's, it's mad. It's mad. Yep. 
No, listen, I'm I'm there with you 100%. And when the lineups came out for the for the game, the first thing that like kind of made me face palm was when I saw that Oleg and Lala were starting. And you know, at the very least I said, "Okay, you know what? Maybe Lala can start fine. But Oleg, why why can't Kitsos play? This is Volos, guys." You know what I mean? Volos can be a little bit dangerous, but if we're really worried about them, I mean, we have a much more important game ahead of us on Thursday. And if we were really worried that trading Kitsos for Oleg in, in this setup was going to be the end-all be-all, then I think we have some serious, serious, serious questions for the club in terms of what they think our, our capabilities are. So that that frustrated me because I really wanted those fullbacks to get a rest, especially since our game plan is relying on them having great games. Like we need them to play well for our game plan to turn out. Like we've talked about this how many times, but you're, you, we ended up seeing Martins fall into the same trap he did last year. And Lombro brought that up overplaying a center back and then not having that same center back available when we played against Arsenal. He didn't do that today though, did he? Well, not with the center backs, but with the fullbacks at the very yeah. least. So yeah. Different, different, different thing. But we we've already said over and over again that we we don't see Kitsos playing much, if at all. We brought that up in previous episodes, and DG14 has a comment here about it. I genuinely think Kitsos won't start another game this season, other than any possible meaningless playoff game. And this would not surprise me in the slightest, not at all. Me neither. There's a couple of other comments here. I think we should touch on real quick uh, before before we move on. Um, uh, let me go back. Cause there's been, there's a couple of them. Uh, uh, one of them was from look at my eyes. DC Pape Cisse needs to play as striker. I'm not even joking. He did uh, in the last 10 minutes. He did. Again. Yeah. And today, today he was getting, before we scored the goal, he was getting really far forward. It was a little scary at times, but, uh, you know what? Striker, striker Cisse. Striker C say uh, is is no joke, guys. Uh, no joke. Have a couple more comments here about. Uh, there seems to be a, some very differing opinions about Valbuena starting. It's a very interesting, very interesting conversation. And uh, you know, like I said, I don't think he'll actually start. But there's some huge conversations going on here about Valbuena and whether or not he should start. Um, uh, here's an interesting uh, comment from Alex Papalexadru. Opponents always respect El Arabi, so he draws two to three defenders, creating space for others to score, such as Valbuena today. Next year, we won't have that with Tiquinho, and those struggle to win the league. So this is an interesting point. And yeah, he did draw two defenders. Uh, he did draw two defenders on him on that little one-two that he had with Valbuena for the goal. But what about the rest of that game? What about the other 87 minutes that he played? You know, okay, we got the goal off of that, but he did nothing else the rest of the game. His holdup play, like, it's not enough for him just to draw a defender. You can draw as many defenders as you want, but if you can't hold the ball up or trap the ball or play the ball, you don't do anything for us. And most of the game, there was only one defender following him because he wasn't effective. If you're not effective, the game plan changes. And El Arabi always used to draw a lot of defenders, all the time, because his hold-up play was amazing. This season, it hasn't been there. 
I'm going to disagree with this statement wholeheartedly. Elad Abi is an ama- he was an amazing player for us, and when his holdup play is on point, it's fantastic for us. But when his holdup play isn't good, he's a he's a body on the field, and I we I I definitely believe if Elad Abi goes, if we if if our style of play maintains the same like it is. I, you know, we'll struggle to win the title regardless of who is playing for us. Unless, of course, the other teams don't do any work. Then we'll win the title. It's more about what they do. But if our tempo picks up and we play even closer to the team that Pedro Martins had in the first two seasons he was here, it doesn't matter. Because then the service is there. Then we just, then we can deal with a point, man. Uh, Costa, what do you make of that? I think Takinho is a good hold-up player as well, to be honest. And I don't think we've seen the best of him this season, and he still scored 10-plus goals. And big ones. Scored big goals. Yep. Scored more more goals in Europe than El Arabi has. Yep. This season. So I think he'll be even better next year. Yeah. I think he'll be even better next year. But, I mean, there's um, big question marks over what's going to happen next year. And there have been a few comments already about about this team needing a refresh and that, you know, we shouldn't expect anything more from this team this season. And I've said that since, since before Christmas, like November, maybe October, that the seasons I'm waiting for the season to finish because I don't expect anything. I don't expect much from this team this season. And there's another comment here from John Tabugas. I'm annoyed that the transfers in the summer didn't pan out. And in the winter window, we did nothing to fix it. Example, Karbovnik. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll have time to talk about that at the end of the season, Matt. Yeah. Maybe it's not the time to have that conversation now, but I mean, we think we've we've more or less said it. We've failed. We failed in our recruitment policy in the summer. Yeah. Ronnie Lopez, flop. He's not staying. Ohenyron Yukuru, maybe the biggest flop I've ever seen as long as I've been an Olympiagos fan. I'm really struggling to think of a bigger flop than him. Anyone in the chat, tell me, whatever generation you are, has there been a worse signing in terms of value for money? I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling to think there's been a worse. I really do think it's the worst. And it's all fallen fallen on on Yorgos Masuras. And the 37-year-old Mathieu Valbuena to create, Masuras to score the goals. To support El Arabi. That's it, man. That's it. Yeah, so, yeah, but Santana was on loan. John. I was gonna say we didn't pay a lot for him we either. Didn't. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, I mean he was he was god awful. He was god awful, but we didn't pay five million for him. Didn't pay was... five million to bring him in and say, you know, we want you to be our number one, like we want you to be our man on the wings. Uh, that's a good shout. <laughs> Somebody DM'd me this when we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Somebody else brought up Bjorn Angles, but we at least got something out of Bjorn Angles. Remember when at after the beginning of that season when everything was awful, uh, there was a center back pairing that did eventually work out towards the end of the season, and that was Cisse Angles. That was one thing that actually did end up working out. So we did get something out of Angles. So the difference will be. Right. If if Onyakuru turns a corner and does better for maybe the remainder of the season, then maybe then maybe 
we could say that no Diogo is definitely no. that first season was no. unbelievable before the injury he was scoring non-stop oh, man the After, club mismanaged that the club mismanaged yeah. that situation 100 100 they didn't take care of him they didn't take care of him yeah and then he was he was so was good lot, he was so good that first season man yeah you've got memories of Diogo like tearing, tearing Benfica a new one yeah. at home. So, I mean, that that may be one of the best performances I've seen from an Olympiacos player. That game yeah. against Benfica, 5-1, two goals, like one or two assists, I can't remember. Yeah, 10 million, 10 million, but he scored and assisted more than 10 that first season. Right, he gave and something. we screwed him. We screwed right. him. We didn't take care of him. We let a young player come from Brazil at 21 or however old he was, and we didn't take care of him. By that, I mean we let him go off whoring and like go to the putanas and going to the bars in Lifada and you know living like Ruben Semedo basically. Only yep. he didn't have Ruben Semedo's background, and you need to take care of those kinds of players. Anyway, historias <laughs> ya uh, From Ari Zombanoglu, can you please greet Thomas Sawyer? I hope I said that right. Uh, Olivia Gara from Haslock in Germany. Welcome. Who's Thomas Sawyer? Where's Thomas Sawyer? Get on the show, Thomas Sawyer. <laughs> Get on here, buddy. Say something. Well, we're glad to have you join us. Glad that all of you guys could make it. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, discussions here too. Fadiga over Onyakuru. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love seeing all the, the debates in here in the chat. Very lively in chat once again. Uh, Costa. Ella. Focusing on... Uh, the Atalanta game. We'll we'll kind of dispense with the match rating and coach's grade because I'd be the only one that could do that. Nice. So, <laughs> and plus, I don't really want to do it for this game because it wasn't too good. Martins gets a C or a D from me anyway because he didn't rest because <laughs> he didn't rest the fullbacks. There you go. I can contribute. Oh, and my man of the match is Valbuena. Easy. Easy. Didn't need to watch the game. You didn't, you, have to, you didn't have to lose two hours of your life watching that. <laughs> um, so looking looking towards Atalanta, right? There, We did see, we talked about in the post-match that there were some takeaways from that game that we could apply to this game. Now, for some things, uh, there were some requests for some data. There were some requests for something that we, was more tangible so that we can look at it and say, hey, this looked like this, right? But was it actually that case? The first thing was Lambro had asked for the pressing chart. Was our press as good as we thought it was in the first half? Was Atalanta's as good? And, you know, how did it actually look? Well, guys, I put together the PPDA chart. And for those of you that are that are new, we have I see a lot of new people in the comments. I will re-explain this. PPDA is a measure of passes per defensive action. So how many passes does your team allow before you try and get the ball? That's whether it's an attempt for an interception, a pressure, a defensive duel, anything. As you can see here, Olympiacos, our press wasn't as intense as Atalanta. That's normal. We knew we weren't going to press high, at least the whole time. This was going to be a mid-block, and that's what we saw in the very first game. So we weren't going to press until they got closer to midfield, then we pressed. What we did see, though, was in that 16th, from the 16th minute to the 30th minute, and even towards the tail end of the first few 15 minutes of the game, we were pressing pretty intense, and it was a little bit higher. But 
like we all saw when the second half started, look from the 45th to the 75th minute, guys. We were more than happy to let them have the ball and let them do whatever they wanted. There was no Olympiacos player pressure on the ball for 15 to 18 passes. That is not good. That is a, that's a low block, very low press. And that's what we saw. But in the meantime, Atalanta, especially early on in the game, was up-tempo. They made sure that when they didn't have the ball, they were pressing us very high. Then after they got the two goals, that's when we picked up the tempo. And that's when they laid off. They got the two goals they needed, and they were happy to close out the rest of the result. So what have we learned from this? And what we've learned is if we go up, do not just wholesale abandon the game plan. The mid block worked. Stick with it. That's been if a you... big conversation like this season yeah. in general. And more and more I hear it in the press and from reporters and, and fans. We score and then we sit. Yep. Are we afraid to go for the second goal? Did the players not believe? Is it, it? I know it was a question on the last pod, post match. There's a there, there is a fitness issue. Yes, there is a fitness issue. But I'm sorry, this is the game of the season. This is the game of the season coming up. Yeah, they need to yeah. give everything they've got and then some. And that's why I said like they need to do that, and they need a mini miracle as well for us to go through on Thursday and I, I put a question another poll in the in the chat can we progress against Atalanta 65% of you saying yes we can and 35% saying no at the moment and that's still ticking away oh this is an interesting comment we play Fernando Santos style of football feel free to agree it is a little bit of that this year, man. I mean, it hasn't been attractive. It's been yeah. very cynical. The word I use was cynical. Cynical Pedro Martins this season. He knows what we can and cannot do. And that's why I think we've been seeing what we've been seeing this season. And I think that kind of translates to the players as well in terms of belief in can we press? Can we maintain that mid-block? So I don't know if it's... Uh, is it an instruction from the coach or is it a mentality thing from the players or is it both that we sit back after we score? There is, there is more that you can say about that though, Ari, because there is, yeah. Like on, on Thursday, we did sit back and soak up a bit of pressure. If we hang on, let me pull this up again. So the pass is allowed from the 16th to the 30th minute. We scored in the 16th minute, didn't we? Yes, we did. So that that slot there from 16 to 30, it was our best moment in the game. And during that time is when we had Onyekuru miss. Yep. We had a number of overlaps. And I, yes. I was I, I was more furious. I was more furious with the wasted, wasted overlaps that we had. Agibu breaking uh, on a counter-attack with Oleg making the overlap and then a bad pass, a bad yep. pass on a four-on-two. And then the same on the right-hand side when Onyakuru is breaking and Lala's made the overlap and there's a bad pass and there's a four-on-two situation to make yep. it 2 3 nil. let alone Onyakuru's missed shot with the left foot in the first half. Yep. 
So there's, and is is Atalanta going to come and kind of let let us keep the ball? That's a question because anyone that knows us and scouted us knows that we can't break teams down. That's a big question for Thursday. Gasparini is a smart, smart manager. Yeah, I don't think he'll do that, but something to consider as well. It's a really complicated game. Like I've thought about it. You know, multiple different scenarios of what Pedro Martins can do, and anything he does is going to be an experiment anyway. It will be. It will be because he's backed into a corner, and that's always when we see that he does different things. He gets backed into a corner, and then he ends up throwing something out that then makes us scratch our heads a little bit, right? Because sometimes it's interesting, uh, and sometimes it's not. There is a question. There is a little comment here about the data itself. Uh, DG14, this chart was extremely interesting, and I bet it'll be very similar if you did the same chart for PPDA from 2018, 2019, and 2020 and this season. Uh, I am going to tell you that for the 2019, 2020 season, not at all. 2019, 2020, we had a very high and intense press, period. Uh, the last season, the 2020, 2021 season, little bit more similar. We... It was it was different. Like you could tell last season was a transition. Uh because we would go from games where we did have a high press and to games where we did low block or mid block. Well, the first game against Porto, we pressed pretty intense. And we had some really good opportunities, unfortunately, that didn't work out. But then the second time we played Porto, it was the opposite. Uh so last year was a little bit different. Uh, but this this like concerted effort for a mid block or a less or a lower tempo of ball in general is completely new. This isn't something we saw in any of Martinez's first three seasons. But that's a very good comment. Uh, thank you for that. Yes, There's, Mano. What's going on, man? <laughs> yeah, it really was. It really was, Mano. That was. <laughs> you're you're not wrong, man. That was one of the best teams that. Uh, we've seen even since the Valverde days, like it was a lovely team to watch and we should all be really, really, really happy that we got to witness something like that and grateful. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, Now moving on. So our first uh, kind of like bringing this all back together. So our first takeaway from that game was don't abandon the game plan. The mid block worked, keep the mid block and stick to it. Uh, oh, follow up from DG14. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. 2018, 2019, 20. We pressed really intensely, and then it seems that when 2021 came around, Martins asked Santa Claus to turn him into Mourinho for New Year's. I like that. Yeah, no, that's a that's pretty much exactly it. But uh, uh, going back to another takeaway, um, Fethanol had asked me and a couple other people had DM'd me asking about the set pieces, specifically the corner kicks. And the other takeaway we had was we need to figure something out with corner kicks. Here we are again, another season in a row where zonal marking appears to be biting us in the ass. So what I did was I took a a map of all of the corners that they had and the placement of those corners. Now, there's one outlier. They did have one corner that they passed. It was like a short pass. But look at the corners. Look at where the placement is of the corners. There is two general areas where they place corners at the six yard box or the six meter, I should say, and near the penalty area. 
That's where all of Atalanta's stuff was, in a line. Look, literally, it was like straight in the line where the takes were. And a lot of the time, literally, and when I say a little bit more than a third, were short kicks for flick-ons. So we have to be a lot more careful on our set pieces. And the sad thing is, this team is the worst team in Italy for set pieces. And we made them look like set piece attacking wise. Us. Attacking wise, yes, that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. So that these are two major takeaways we have from the first leg that the team has to remember: be tighter in man marking on set pieces. Even if even if we maintain zonal marking, you have to be disciplined. Call out your players. Call out the numbers. And be a lot more disciplined than we were. Because this team is going to command possession, guys. Make no mistake. Doesn't matter if we're in Gariskaiki. It doesn't matter if we're home. This team will maintain possession against us. We have to keep the lines tight, whether it's an open play or on set pieces. So you just have to be very careful. Gosta, I don't know if you have any more comments on that. No, I mean, I think... We will come back to Atalanta. We'll make some predictions. Let's even try and think about what we would set up. Let's not try and get into Pedro Martinez's head because that's I think that's an impossible task. But maybe you and I can try and uh, agree on a formation and how we would try and line things up on Thursday. That could be fun. Uh, yeah, Ari Zobanoglu says somehow somebody show the. Uh, <laughs> Somebody show this to Martins, otherwise he'll see this. Yeah, he uh, look. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure the team is analysing those sorts of things. Uh, they 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 have people that do that. But yeah, it was it was concerning, and it has been an issue for for a long time now. The zonal marking is what it is, and there's another good comment from DG14. Problem with zonal marking is that attackers get a good run, and the defenders are static. And Labra was mentioning it as well on the on yeah. the pod in the post match. The the balls being whipped into the area were succulent, if I can use that that English word. They were they were they were wonderful balls into the box from the corners, and we didn't win any. No, yeah. Uh, check out check out the match vlog, guys. I'm going to come back to the match vlog now uh, because uh, there is. There is a live reaction from me when, when the second goal goes in, and it's no no laughing matter. But my God, I mean, I thought I, th I thought at the time they'd hit twenty more than twenty corners. In the end, statistically, they had thirteen. Yep. But um, let's let's give this vlog another shout, shall we? So, for those of you that are joining a little bit later, we have our first Europa League match day vlog on our YouTube channel. It's available. Go and check it out once we're done with this. Subscribe to the channel so that you make sure you always get new content, whether it's post-matches, previews, vlogs, whatever. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and hit the bell next to it to get a notification for when new content is up. I showed a nice little video earlier of an interview that I did with um, with friends of Papi Cissé that came from, from Senegal. I know that not everybody that, that watches us is from, from Greece. There's some of you in, in Australia, in the US, uh, Germany, France, the UK, 
apparently we have people that listen from India, South Korea as well, looking at some of the analytics. Some of you guys don't get a chance to live the atmosphere of an away game. So I'm going to give you a bit of atmosphere now. So take this all in. This is one of my favourite chants, actually. favorites so good there's a before we we, uh before we go into kind of like our predictions for the game there's a an interesting comment here on something that we've discussed before uh before the the winter break um from this is also from alex papadrexandru uh pedro martins revealed in a coaching seminar in portugal that olibiacos players after two years playing at 100 percent Plus the thing, plus the plus the COVID, don't have the energy to play anything else than Fernando Santos ball. So this is something we've discussed before, but more specifically related to some of the cases that we had this past summer. And it's not lost on us. We know that it's we're we we can't perform the press at much as much as we did before. Uh, and that's why we've seen more things like a mid block. When, that we never really used to see before. So th- those are the types of things that uh, you get when you have that issue when it comes to uh, lack of fitness. But there's another solution when it comes to lack of fitness, right? When you have players that are tired or some aging players or maybe players that lack motivation, there is a fix for that. There's a fix that can inject some passion, athleticism, that fix is called youth, promising youth. And it is something that we have, and it's something that we don't use very frequently at all. And no one's saying we have to play an entire 11 of them. You just insert one or two players here and there. And that's also something that we haven't done. It's a, it's a culmination of things, right? So, yes, we did get COVID, or we did get hit by COVID. COVID did hurt this team. Anybody that says otherwise is just completely unaware of the situation. But what also happened was we had players get affected by this, but then you had a manager that was so conservative or Costa, as he likes to say, pessimistic, or sorry, not pessimistic, cynical. I think that was the right word. He doesn't trust them or give them the opportunity. So uh, I already see in the comments somebody brought up Gitsos. Yes, that's that's one. If Gitsos really is your Project Nutsimikas, you got to play him. And give some of these guys a rest. Guys like Solis. 
when the mid- other midfielders had COVID, play him. He's young, full of energy. Clearly, clearly was is eating something special. Bosses on the pitch, throws his weight around. This is this is the solution to that. But uh, that's a very good point that was brought up because uh, COVID definitely has has had an effect on the team. Uh, there's also another question here from Adi. Adi Tsompanoglu. Uh, question to Adi. Do you think that we will skull drag the other Greek clubs in the playoffs? Uh, I think he's. Re- this is a comment referring to the last episode, I think. Uh, well, Sinonime, I don't, I don't know if we're going to skull drag them, but uh, I, I don't, I'm not scared. I'm not scared of them. Balk, I think, will give us probably some fits, if anything, but I'm not scared of the other ones. I'm more scared of ourselves, to be honest with you. Gosa, what do you think? Are we going to skull drag the other teams in the playoffs? I don't think we're going to skull drag them. I, 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 I it, it's man, the whole situation in the league is really quite boring, to be honest. Yeah, I've said I, I've said it before, and I know some Olympiacos fans get annoyed when people like me said I'm bored of winning the league, but the league's been boring this year. Somebody yeah. tell me a match in the league that excited them. Nah? Anyone? Tell me, tell me a game this season where we were exciting that you remember. I can't remember one. Maybe the Ike game, if, but, you know, that early goal from Agibu in a 3-2 game, that was marginally exciting. It's about as exciting as it got in the league this season. You weren't Is excited be- by it? The three nothing win against Atromitos. <laughs> we played or, some good football. We played some good football relative to what we've seen. Or Ionicos. Or Ionicos, man. That three nothing against them. Okay, we, we keep going round and round in circles on this point about, about the football and, and, and the wing backs. And you know, there's I mean, some people are even so desperate. Uh, let me just bring up the comment here. Marito Lagis should start Kitsos on Thursday. I don't think that's going to happen. That's not happening, but, buddy. <laughs> uh, I mean, at least Kitsos. I, I said I said this before a couple of weeks ago. Kitsos is a is a player that started his career as an offensive player and is being brought back, like Timikas, like Jorgatos, and Oleg Reabchuk is a player that played left centre back in a three at the back formation at Porto Youth. And that says everything you need to know about the type of player that Oleg Grabchuk is and the type of player that Fotis Kitsos is. But Fotis Kitsos isn't going to start on on Thursday, and I probably wouldn't start him either. But I, but hell, I would play him more in the Greek League. Absolutely. I would play him more in the Greek League. I expected him to play today. Even It was a dangerous game, a must-win game to keep up the, the pressure and make sure we win the league, which is a priority. But if you can't play him in this kind of game, then, you know, do you trust him? And when is he going to play? In a useless in a useless playoff game, like somebody mentioned earlier. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Oleg Rebdruck checking in, boys and girls. I'm so tired. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I do. Can I that. tackle this one? Go for it. So Ari Zobanoglu asks, do you think that Maddie hasn't been the same player because he had COVID? 
Actually, I don't think he was one of the players that had it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember. Because in preseason, he he was one of the ever presents. He yeah. his, his performances in the qualifiers were actually some of the better ones in the yeah. team. So he was all right in the qualifiers. Then when his issue with you know transfer seemed like it wasn't going through. And the whole issue with his managers and going to Mino Raiola from, you know, the guys that represent Cisse, Barr and others, mm-hmm. I think that messed with his head. I yeah. think that messed with his head a lot. I that's think what I, that's what I think that I think that's affected him this season a lot. I think you're I think you're right about that. Now, here's an interesting take. Another one from DG14. This is a bit of a hot take, but I wouldn't mind in Vila leaving in the summer. He'll only get older and slow. He was great last season, but in my opinion, Guillerme was always noticeably better at most things. Apples and pears. Yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. They're they're two completely different players. And and I this was one of those things that irritated me back when we brought Mvila in and the Greek press was saying he was the Adi Guillerme and I was like not even close. Two completely different players. Um, and that's part of the problem because people still have that measuring stick, uh, with regards to Guillerme. Guillerme was a different type of player altogether. Jan is a different profile and it, uh, he, he's a, he's a player that has, we've made great use of. He just isn't the profile of player that, uh, that Guillerme is. We always get one of these. It feels like. In every show, <laughs> imagine winning the league with this team with, or going undefeated with this team. Uh, yep, Bob Bobo's not a gamer. Yeah, my friend, it's gonna be. Can you imagine like people that are unfamiliar with Greece? Let's say we do finish and we're invincible. Like in England, if somebody brings up the invincible season, like oh, what a great team! It's like no, my friend, you have no idea. God, that would be that would be crazy. That would be something incredible to witness. Uh, but, uh, Costa, my friend, you've been going on for an hour and 10 minutes, man. I can keep going if you want. <laughs> the people want more. The people want more. Well, Let's... do you have a, a match prediction at least? Before we get, <laughs> excuse me, before we get to match prediction, shall we try, shall we try and figure out what we would do? What would we do on Thursday and see how the people like it? Ooh, a lineup like the lineup ahead of the match. Mm, I do like that. How would you? So basically, how would you line up for Atalanta? All right, four three three or three four three. Where do we start? You said three four three or four three three. I'm doing neither. Neither. What would you go with? I'm doing neither. Mm-mm. I don't care. I'm done. Oh, I want to hear. I want to hear this. I I'm hear done. This. I'm done. I'm done with three four three. I'm done with four three three. I don't care. I'm we going... can't. So, so, so is out. Eh? So that if we play yes. with three at the back, we'd have to play Ba. So you say, and, and not, that's never happening. That's I'm never starting Ba. Never. That's not so happening. All right. So four, four two three back. one. Four, four two back. three one, baby. I'm doing right, four two three one. Let's start. Let's start from the back. So Pachlik in goal, Rebchuk on the left, Cisse and Manolas. At centre back, who do you play at right back? Kenny. Kenny. It, it, it has to be Kenny. It has to be yeah. Kenny. It does. 
God, no more experiments with Usain yeah. right back. No, 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 no more. Okay. No. Okay, more. so we've got our back four and we've got the keeper. Fine. All right, keep going with your four-two-three-one. Then I want to hear this. All right, so uh, I'm gonna, we're going to do a center mid pairing. I'm going to start off with um, Adres Bukalakis because I need I need we need his uh, his ability to close the lanes down and Mari Camara. Bukalakis and Madi. Yes. Well, no in Villa. No in Villa. Yes. Are you crazy? Look, it in the beginning, like it for the last 10 minutes, I've kind of been thinking about this. And in the pro, here's the problem, right? You play Jan. I'm asking play... the people. I'm asking the people. Bukhalakis or Envila? Bukhalakis or Envila? I'm putting a poll. There's a poll. All right, keep going, Ari. So <laughs> the Bukhalakis and Envila take up the same spaces. And or Mvila is going to sit back with the defense more often than not. And when he plays with Madi, there's holes everywhere in the midfield. So I can't do either one of those. So I have to do Madi and Bukalakis and hope that we see a, more, a little bit more of that 2019-2020, early 2020-2021. Praying for that. And then Mvila, I would uh I would have I would bring on in the second half. Uh and then my uh uh, I guess start with the wings or the ten. Say again. Would starting with the wings or my number ten next? Go go go! You keep going. Whatever you want. All right. So then my number ten is going to be Agibu. So it'll be Agibu Kamara. Uh, he's going to be my ten. Uh, on the left. Uh, I don't. Even, I can't believe I'm going to be saying this, but it's going to. Uh, I'll start with Onyakuru. On the left, damn it, Lambro. Um, Tequino <laughs> up top and Masuras on the right to start. Maritza Lagis Buja is slower than replay, <laughs> guys. I, I promise you, he's faster than in Villa. Jan in Villa is not fast, but he holds the ball up really well. I Bukhalakis in in Europe. He's, he's is not... a gamble. It's a ga- it's a huge gamble. I'm not. I'm not. I I don't. I should say this. I recognize. What was he like that. today? What was he like today, Ari? Because I didn't uh, watch the game. Mm. Meh. So it he's was... not in rhythm. He's a player that when he's in rhythm, I would I would I would put him in my starting eleven if he was in rhythm. Yeah. He had that injury that kept him out a couple of weeks. And I do, I do understand there is a point to be made with regards to Bukalakis in the sense that he gives balance to the team, and having a left-footed player in midfield I think is important. But I would go with Mvila, Kamara, Agibu in a four-three-three formation. So I wouldn't play Agibu as a ten necessarily. I'd box expect, box. I'd expect Madi and Envila like, to sit in front of the defense mm-hmm. and get into those positions where he can kind of clean up and begin the counters, play the first pass. 
help the defenders get the ball up the field because neither Manolas or Cisse are... I mean, they're, they're, they're all right on the ball, but you won't ask them to be ball-playing centre-backs. So mm. I'd play in Villain in the hole, and then I'd ask Maddy to play that kind of... That position just sitting on the halfway line, like just protecting Mvila, but also connecting to Agibo and let Agibo kind of play that box to box. And then Tikinio up front. And I, I, I also hate to say it, but I wouldn't start Vrusai over on Yakuru. He hasn't shown me anything this season. No. Who do I pick over on Yakuru? I wouldn't start Valbuena. I just wouldn't yeah. start him. And who Maybe. else is there? <laughs> the, the only so Masuras obviously has the other spot on the wing, right? Of course. So, so the only other thing that I can see is uh, is Fadiga potentially coming in to help that mid block, right? Because he has he has stam he's young he has stamina he can press, and, and yes, on Yakuru is you know tactically he does what what Martins wants him to do. But I think that Fadiga can do that as well. Yeah. And he has some confidence as well. And, and on your crew's got no confidence. That's yeah. the biggest problem. That's the biggest problem with, with on your crew. And you saw it in that, you know, that crap shot that he took when he was, when he could have gone into the box, like, the confidence isn't there and he's not, I just can't see it happening. So yeah. try Fadiga. That's my thing. Fadiga, and play that mid-block. What about Gary Rodriguez? Is he alive? Camilo? They're saying that he, he'll be ready. He should be ready for the game. Nice cameo. He hurts himself in warm-ups, you know. I mean, him and him and Kenny connect very well on the right. They actually did. That's true. So, yeah. man, look, I didn't, I didn't think of him because I didn't think he was going to actually be available for the game. I thought he was still going to be hurt. Um, but if he's available, then I would throw Masuras on the left and uh, give, give him a shot on the right, you know? Uh, but look, all in all, what you brought up with Fadiga is uh, is very interesting. Look, in a game where you got to roll the dice anyway, roll the dice. Exactly. You know, with something that's a little bit more unexpected or uh, a variable that they don't really know much about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Can it hurt? If we lose, what? We're already losing. You know, we're down by a goal. It's already going to be a tough task as it is. Why not? There's, um, there's, uh, we got a lot of formations in here. A lot of people giving their, uh, giving their opinions on what they, what they think we should start with. Um, we've got Tutelatut here, four three three from the start, and if we need a goal in the second, four two three one. That is interesting. Um, and then we have uh, from DG14, just my opinion, 4-2-3-1 is the best formation to press Atalanta's 3-4-3, man-to-man on the wings and midfield with a spare man at the back, Agibo and the striker pressing the three CBs. Interesting take. I like that also. Garci, 4-2-3-1, Vachlik, uh, back four, Cisse, Manolas, Remchuk, and Adruzos on the right. Oh, my friend. <laughs> you know, You must know something I don't. Uh, Mvila Bukhalakis as the, the CM pairing. Vrusai, Madi, and Masuras, your front three with Tequino as the striker. It's a very interesting lineup. 
Brusai's got no confidence either, man. I mean, he's been playing yeah. at right back, and whenever he's been going forward, he can't even hit the target. Yeah, he, well, thing, he, has, right? he hasn't been good with – he hasn't been hitting the target all season. When he has played, it doesn't matter the position, so who knows. Uh, Babo's not a gamer. Uh, let's see. Back four, Rebchuk, Lala, Manolasise. That's normal. Bukharlakis, Madi. Masuras, Agibu, Fadiga, Tequino. That's nearly my lineup. Yeah. But I had them Villa instead. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Look at th- this is uh very, very, very interesting. Some good, some interesting lineups here. Whoever plays football manager, guys, go and play friendly against Atalanta and give it a go and come back and let us know how it went. <laughs> yeah, with the different lineups. Oh well. Uh God. Oh, from Alex, uh Papa Alexandru again. Deep down, we all know that a Valbuena masterclass is our only chance to go through this Thursday. I could see it. I could me see too. it. It doesn't surprise me at all. Not at all. Costa, what uh if your lineup plays, what do you think your what do you think the score would be? Match prediction. Yeah. Well, with your lineup. I think we can do it, man. I think so I, I have to. I have to. I think we can do it. I, I honestly I didn't see like Atalanta threatened from set pieces. That's how they got their goals. I can't really remember when they like, a situation where they really carved into the heart of our defense. Something that I did see all game long was Kenny Lala really struggling with the overlaps and yeah. just getting done by the left wing, you know, the, the left back, left winger all the time. And and that's how they won all their corners, like just building up on the wings. They didn't really carve us open through the middle. It was all down the wing, like the the overlaps. And I could be I could be wrong, but I've never I don't think I've ever seen a team like Atalanta that they literally play all of their players in the opponent's half. Everyone, I mean everyone. Like the centre back is above the halfway line yeah. all the time. really really incredible but i guess i have some optimism that a karai skaki even at 50 percent capacity can get a rise out of the players that they can rise to the occasion it's the last big game of the season guys if we get knocked out against atalanta what have we got left to play for yeah okay we're gonna go and win the league I don't see the players motivated. Like they're cruising. They're cruising in the league. And this is the last opportunity to see a performance, to see something special. It's their last chance. Yeah, I I hear you there. I hear you there. And more on your point about the wings and Kenny Lala. They attacked our right side of the field. So Kenny's side of the field 23 times. 23 attacks in open play from the left side, 10 from the right, and six from the center of the field. Now, funny enough, where do you think they're in open play, that is? Uh, we're not talking about set pieces. In open play, where do you think most of their threat was generated from? The left, the right, or the center? 
I mean, they move the ball about well. If you go back to they the did. PPDA and you look at how many passes allowed per action, they move the ball well and they yep. move it out to the wings. And Muriel is more of a kind of a second striker. He's not an out-and-out striker. So he was playing on the periphery quite a bit. I mean, the, the ball movement that I saw was, you know, through the middle and then out to the wings. Yep. That's what I saw on, on yep. Thursday from the pitch. Yep. No, and, and you're right. And their their most dangerous opportunities were when the ball when the ball was moved out to the wing and then back into the middle. And that's where the most dangerous opportunities came from. That that's that was the context for it. So I think that if we're able to set up better, if we're able to set up now that we know we've seen a full 90 minutes of what they did against us, we know where we're weak and where they excelled. I think that if we can take that into consideration and I think that we set up a little bit better for that or prepare, prepare mentally, prepare in practice for that. And we can get maybe a little bit more clinical finishing on, uh, on the counter. I think that, I think that can be, I think that this, we can do this. And I, my prediction for this Thursday, I have more hope, weirdly enough, like I haven't been hopeful at all this campaign, period. This Thursday, I see a, I see a one nothing win in the guy to Scott, one nothing through regular time, extra time. We get a goal, two nothing. That's what, uh, I think uh, that's what I think is going to happen. That's my that's my take. My you think we're going to play 120 minutes against Atalanta and not concede a goal? Wow! You heard it, you heard it here first. I told you it was a hot take. I've got a hot take. Ari just said we're going to win two 0 in extra time. You heard it here first. You heard that's it here mad. first. Atalanta hasn't gone a game without scoring. I haven't. I haven't found it yet. <laughs> or actually, wait, no, they they just went a game without scoring today. We're gonna, they're going to make it two in a row. You heard could it you here imagine, first. Could you imagine the penalty shootout? No, I, I, couldn't, do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Mm-mm. All the people that wanted to go to the Karaiskagi and then go and watch the basketball would be pissed. <laughs> anyway. Oh my god! El Arabi to score in extra time. Do you know what? I'll give him the two and a half million immediately if he scores the winner. There you go. Because that's what he's there to do. Score big goals. If he does it on Thursday, I'm sure the club will think the same. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, man, I'm going to tell you right now, if this goes into extra time, my heart won't be able to handle it. It's going to be too much. It's going to be too much for me. I, I can't, I can't do this. We've got, we've got some, some things we need to take care of after that Ludo Goretz game. Yeah, for sure. Clop kicks here. I'm going. Let's all be our 12th player and win. Hey, my friend, send us some picks. If you're there at the stadium, man, send us, uh, DM us on our uh, socials. Send us some footage from the game. Uh, we love getting it from you guys. Oh, oh, look at my eyes, DC. What What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, There'll be a pitch crew. invasion if on your crew scores a hat trick. Labros Irmos is going to jump into the pitch and go and kiss his red head or maybe he dyes his hair red for the game does something right for once listen look at my eyes dc 
if Onya Cruz scores a hat trick, if that actually happens, I'm bringing you on the pod, my friend. You'll come up here. You can beat your chest, do whatever you want. Just don't get naked. <laughs> These guys. Oh, Lombard's not even here, and they're already digging on him. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Pedro Martins <laughs> jumping in. I make change the 87th minute, get three to go. That's him. Uh, all right, boys and girls. Uh, we've been at this for about an hour and a half. We're going to let you guys go. But before we do, don't forget, join the mission. Join this mission. Help us make this the international community that Alibiakos deserves. Hit that button at the bottom of this video. Like, subscribe, join us on socials, and help us make this an international community that is worthy of a European elite team. And until next time, guys, this is Gate 7 International. By the fans, for the fans. Watch the space. There's more content coming this week. Take care, guys. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you will never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL, Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Thrilos, he said. Sto mialo kati magiko.